And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. When peace comes, remember, it will be for us, the children of today, to make the world of tomorrow a better and happier place. We are beginning to be able, cautiously, and with our eyes open, like, I mean, at, for my job, just basically what I do all day is I try to empower people and I try to build their capability. I'm a corporate trainer, so like, I try to make people believe they can do things, and eventually you kind of take your own your own medicine, right? Um, so there's that, but I also am a, I, I hate to call them like self-help books, but I guess maybe they're kind of like that. Um, I'm a big fan of of books that I guess you could say are real inspirational pieces. So like I'm reading one, um, just started one by Eckhart Tolle called the, the power of now. Sure. I've read that. Um, yeah. So I'm just cracking into that. I heard it gets a little weird at times, oh, but I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go into that. Um, I read one that I bought for my wife a while back. I, it's kind of a book that you can flip through and read snippets of. You don't have to read it front to back. It's called the big magic. Um, and that one's actually about like, how do you hold on to inspiration, right? Like how do you stay creative and hold on to those moments and, and chase them? Um, but it's not, you know, it's work. It's not easy. Like, especially in today's climate, um, it's not easy to not run down that dark side and it does happen some days. Like it, it happens where I'm just kind of like, well, fuck everything. And you know, fuck that person who just looked at me wrong. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, I, I wish I had a hard and fast answer for that, but I don't, sure. it's not, it's, it, you know, it just, some days is good. Some days aren't good. And Seth, so I, I, you know, I'd pose the same question to you, you know, cause it's, it's for me, it's less about the highs and lows just, but it's more about the evenness. How do you, you know, from, I mean, I, I know you a little bit pretty well and you're, you're obviously, you made some changes just recently and it seems like you're really chasing it now. Like you, I, I think you've become addicted to running and you've become addicted <laughs> to doing five K's for charity and you know, all of that, that stuff that goes along with it, you know? So how did, how did that, or how, you know, how do you stay that way? Yeah. Uh, putting it that way, man. Um, I, in, in thinking and, and Ben, your, your answer was, was so good. Like it, made, it made so much sense. And I'm trying to think like, Oh man, like I just go for walks in the woods a little too often. And, but I mean, no, I, I, like, the the running thing for me, uh, it, actually, in a couple of days, it'll be my my two year anniversary starting to run, and that I started that at a time when a lot of stuff. Well, there's so much stuff that's out of our control. Um, the 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 big politics thing, the big this thing, the that thing, the money thing, the job thing, and for me, uh, you know, back then. You know, my mom was really sick at the time. Um, it was getting worse. Just financial was was horrible, and and the running thing was was like, well, well, this I can control, and it sucked really, really bad at first. It was painful, and now, now I, you know, not that it's any less painful, but I but I can manage the pain of it a little bit more. But but in then taking like the what it is like holy holy shit it's such a privilege to be able to like have the leisure time the spare time the spare finances for for a decent pair of shoes or shorts to go running and like so i i i, I don't take it for granted and and that's why i've kind of turned it around charity wise of like well if i'm going to do this and kind of be annoying on social media and be like oh look where i ran today uh, I might, I might as well like help raise some money for some good organizations. And so, so that, that then it became now, now it's sort of become bigger than me that now it's not just uh, me running so I could lose a few pounds and lose a pant size or two. 
now it's like, oh my god, we're raising like hundreds of dollars for cool organizations that are doing stuff for kids. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's I think all of that sounds good and I, you know, and it's it's funny cuz like we're talking about just sort of the idea of staying in the moment and sort of all of that sort of thing. And for me, all of that is true and and all of those are like just sort of I'm I'm just going to shittily call them older ideas, you know, cuz mm-hmm. and it's like I've decided this year that upon inspection, I'm a relatively happy person. Like, I never really thought of myself as that. I, my self-image was always of sort of a brooding ass. And uh, and that was, you know, and that was sort of the, the, the pool I wallowed in. But, like, there's there's a point where you go, okay, I'm, I'm actually the happy guy, you know. But for me, that, that happiness just sort of comes with, these these incredible points of just kind of personal or existential sadness and i can't and i can't put my finger on it because even in times where i'm like yeah okay you know take your own medicine you know what you know what the words are that you would tell someone else um but those words just i i for whatever reason i don't those words don't connect to me you know like i can't teacher can't heal himself in this case so yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's like that's totally valid. I mean, because so like one of the things out of the book I read Big Magic was that when like when something strikes you and it's actually something I I teach and you know to a lot of my learners and something that I that I try to do myself as well and I found it works is that when something inspirational strikes you, you have to take immediate action. Um because the longer we the longer we put it off or the longer we let it sit on a list, like that idea is gone. And when that inspiration's gone and that idea is gone, you don't just get to grab it back. Like you don't get to pull that back. You have to wait until it comes around again. And so long as we ignore them, they come around less and less. So even if I'm like at work in the middle of the day. And I, you know, something like oh, I need to be healthier or whatever the case is, you know, something trivial like that. I'll be like, okay, then I'll start right now and I'll go for a walk on my lunch. Right. Like, and I'll take immediate action or, um, I'm a big list guy. I make a lot of lists. So I will write it down. Like, uh, it's not uncommon for me to have a list of things that I'm going to do from the time I get off work until I go to bed and I'll write it down. Um, and, and then that, you know, those four or five things, those are my priorities for the night and I'm chasing them immediately. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not letting it dwindle um, because there's actually some science behind it. When we think of a desired outcome, we get, we get oxytocin, we get dopamine, we get serotonin releasing into our brain and all those things make us feel really great. But what it does is it puts us in this state of lethargy and ultimately what we end up actually doing is nothing. And because we've already like our brain's already gotten what it wants, right? It wants that that dopamine releasing into it. So like instead of thinking of outcomes, I'll think of what's stopping me from doing it, right? What are the things in my way that are going to stop me from trying to go on a 3-mile run tonight? or uh, pick up my guitar and write a song, you know? Like, what is stopping me from doing that? And if it's something, you know, like, that's not adding value to my life, Netflix or, (laughs) you know, a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch or whatever it is, (laughs) then it's saying, like, I'm not going to do that thing. And it it becomes a discipline thing then which eventually you're, that's a muscle, right? Your discipline's a muscle and you'll work that enough to where like those things that would typically stand in your way, they just don't even phase you anymore. They're not even part of the equation. And your lists at that point become greater and greater and you're able to accomplish more things. And yeah, sure. Yep, absolutely. Sense. What were we going to ask, you know? No, no, I was, I was going to let... I was going to ask you if you had a follow-up because I know you, you make lists. Oh, yeah. I make a lot of lists. I don't 
I mean, I fall into all of the traps that Ben just described, but I, I need to keep those things on my list because be, being bipolar and suffering from severe depression, I will forget these things in a heartbeat. So they go from day to day to day. I don't get them done and I fall into all of those traps. But if I don't have them on my list, I'll forget about them. And then six months from now, it's like, oh, I, I wanted to do this thing. And then I'm starting from square one again. So I figure if I leave them on my list and I'm looking at that list every day, whether or not I'm getting those things done, it forces this sort of reoccurring thought process where I have to look at these lists, even though I may not do all of them for whatever reason, whether I understand the reason or not, I need to have them on the list so that I know, yes, I need to do this tomorrow. Or I need to do this in an hour. So, okay. Seth, yeah, so Seth, you've taken on quite a bit of change since <clears throat> si literally since I met you on Flickr. And so, <laughs> oh I, my, yeah, you know, so <laughs> how does, yeah, how does the, yeah, that's right. That's how old it is. Um, so how does, how does change affect sort of your, the way you, you handle, I mean, because you've had some shit. And so when, when yeah. it was, when it was dark before you discovered running, what, you know, kind of what was the thing that, or how did you process through that? Yeah, going back and thinking of some of those those dark moments, uh, relationships or, or, or money or, or what circumstances and everything, I I think part I think part of it was connection. I think part of it was being able to reach out and and connect and not be so in my head. Usually that would mean, though, I would go on a long walk or something and just shoot, like, five texts to some people. And then, so I would have, like, company uh, pretty much through my walk. But, but, I, but I think so much in those, those moments was knowing – part of it, too, is, is, is knowing that no matter what the, the, the garbage was, it, it wasn't going to kill me, that – I remember, <laughs> I remember soon after leaving New York City, after the uh, boom crash of uh, my marriage, uh, I remember being in the midst of that, and it was like, oh my goodness, when is this pain ever going to stop? And I remember at that time biking a lot. I had my bike nerd blog, and pedaling up hills, and I just remember that pedaling up those hills, like no matter how bad it hurt, I knew the pain would stop once I got to the top and it was, it was, I didn't know it at the time. Cause I don't know when the magic moment was when that sting didn't exist anymore from that relationship ending, but it was like a big hill. And eventually I got to the top to a point where it, it, it stopped hurting. And like, I realized it hurt on that bike. It hurt in the relationship. It hurt. At mile 3.8, it hurts, but I don't know. Eventually, some way, some way, somehow, you get to mile seven, you're flying high, and then you, you kind of forget about that pain at mile 3.2, whatever number I just said. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that there's, there's something to be said for being 47 and, and having a sense that it's not – none of it's the worst thing. Like it's mm -hmm. not, it's not like I remember in college getting fired from a telemarketing job and mm -hmm. literally, and literally like, I'm like, I'm going to be homeless. I don't, I don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to be a, a homeless person for the rest of, I've been fired from a job, God forbid, you know? And, you know, years later I'm like, well, that's hilarious that that's what I thought, but mm -hmm. you know, but that's, that's sort of what, you know, our, our brain feeds us, you know? It, well, yeah, I mean, our brain wants us ultimately to just, you know, be safe and in a cocoon and on a couch and eating a bowl of uh, cinnamon toast crunch because that's easy and it's pleasure now and and there's no effort and there's no there's no there's no pain involved in it. 
Um, but there's no, again, there's no growth in that either. So there's no challenge. There's no achievement. There's no, no. positive outcome. Yeah, and like when you so when you talk about the whole idea like of pain and suffering, like I, be, I probably everybody in this call is attracted to it, right? Because of the music we listen to. <laughs> um, and and like some of the, the most like some of the most influential like musicians in my in my in in like my influence at least have like always said like like it's part of it you have to go through the pain and suffering to be able to appreciate the good things in life you know um and i think like when i look back on like having all my you know old shitty friends or the old shitty relationships I was in or the old shitty band I was in, you know, like it kind of brings you to this moment, right. Where you appreciate everything around you a lot more. Mm. Um, and, and you're kind of like, Hey, like I, I suffered and I got through that, but I came out on this end. Um, and it's kind of like getting clear out of hell, you know, like, and I always think that when, at least for me, when I'm going through like a major life change like that, like something that you're looking to do, do you know, like you're, you're probably looking to kind of warp your entire lifestyle. Um, it, it always like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, a million little pieces. Have you ever heard that book? Nope. No. Yeah. So that, okay. So that book is, uh, it's a book about a guy who is breaking a heroin addiction, right? And he was, I mean, he was breaking like addiction to every single drug in the world. And he, um, he always talked about how drinking hot coffee helped burn that pain away, right? That pain, that, that urge to want to do something. And I remember like the first time I quit smoking, I, it was hot coffee that did it for me. You know, I was like, okay, like this hot coffee is like, it's almost like an analogy, right? It's burning away the urge to want to do something bad. And then, um, when I started running, it was that, that replaced like me wanting to be that in a cocoon, right. In comfort and just sitting on the couch wrapped in a blanket or whatever. Like, like I want to do that. I have the urge to do that. My body's telling me to do that. So I'm going to go do something that's going to hurt, you know, in the sense of like, I'm going to go run and that's going to, you know, that's going to kind of burn away that want to do those things that comfort me. Um, and, and so I think that like when, when Seth said that, like, yeah, there's, there's a certain amount of pain and eventually you get over it. Like I, I can't think of any life change I've ever gone through where there wasn't that pain. Right. Or, and I wasn't trying to find something to kind of cover it up with, whether it be running, working out, you know, uh, trying to eat healthier or whatever the case was. Yeah, okay, so another fucking runner's on the podcast. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, no, I've only been running since February. Great. So, so, so how's it going? Um, I, can, I can really echo what Seth said. It, it fucking sucks when you first start. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like, I mean, my, so my wife has always been a runner, and I've always been a smoke cigarettes and write sad songs um, kind of guy. Um, I eat bowls of cinnamon toast crunch. You know? like, <laughs> I've never been this super like, you know, workout guy. My biggest workout would be when we'd play a show, you know, or, or whatever. And um, so I, I can't even remember. I think it really came from just wanting to try something new. Um, I watched her do a couple 5Ks in the fall. Um, after the kids were born, we were talking about the things that kind of defined us and how we needed to get back to doing those things and like, you know, being people outside of parents. And um, I watched her do those 5Ks and I was just inspired by it. So like it was just a moment of being like, well, I can do that. Like I want to do that. I want to try that. And she was like, try it. And I was like, all right. And so I did one of those really, like, I think it's the Nike Run Club app. I downloaded that. Yeah. Um, and it's nice because it tracks all the miles I run. So that's kind of cool. Um, so I know how many miles I've run. And then, um, but it gave me a program to basically say, hey, I've never run in my life unless I was running from the police. <laughs> and nice. 
Yeah, and like, how do I get to doing a, a 5K? That's what it was, kind of couch to 5K thing. Um, and I just started going, um, and it sucked. It hurt, and like, I mean, I thought my lungs were gonna fall out, you know. And um, but eventually, I think after like two weeks, I was like, okay, like I ran a mile. Like that's crazy. Um, but one of the things I had to set aside was like, hey, you're gonna walk after after a quarter mile. And you're going to be fine. Like, it's okay. Like, you can take a break and you can walk. You haven't run in, like, literally 15 years. So I just kind of – I had that mindset of, like, you're not doing this for anyone else. You're doing it for you. And you're going to do it at your own pace. And um, you'll get there eventually. And now here I am. I can run, you know, four or five miles at a pop. And, and I feel good about it. I don't feel like I'm, you know – it's obviously not easy, but like I don't feel like I don't feel like it's out of reach anymore. No, but it's going to become easy in a very short matter of time, and then sure. it's going to become like an addiction. Yeah, because I haven't. I used to be a runner where I would run five miles a day, and I all of a sudden wasn't able to do it for medical reasons, and I mm. still to this day, fifteen years later, have that drive to run. It's it's just this weird addiction that I don't understand. But the fact that I can't do it makes me angry at times. It's like, yeah, want to get out there and run. And I used to laugh at people. Like people would be like, "No, runners high is a real thing." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, definitely." (laughs) Like it's not. And then I remember it was like three weeks in. That was the first runners high I got, and I was like, "No shit, it's real." (laughs) Seth, you want to just jump right in on that? Yeah, the the because uh, I'm still I, I've been at it like I said almost two years now, and like there's days when I go out there and it's mile one, and I'm just like this sucks. I want to go home. I want to sit on my couch. This I want some <laughs> comfort now. Mile two, and I'm just like, all right, I'll give it I'll give it a little more. Mile three still sucks, but then all of a sudden it's like mile four, mile five, and I'm just like, I can go ten, twelve. I, yeah, I wonder if I could run to the next town. Like, yeah. let's, let's do this it, it, it just um um when 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 things click when things come together and and that's and now i'm like keeping track well not keeping track but being mindful of look dude you're running so you gotta sleep no more of these six hour nights uh, you know and and go like you gotta get your rest and you have to eat the right things uh mm-hmm. more often than not and and a whole bunch of that stuff, and stretch. I, I, yeah, I hurt, I hurt myself earlier this year in February or so. Like I couldn't bend over and like put my shoes on. My my lower back hurt so much, and thankfully I was able to go to the doctor's. I had an appointment uh, early on. Uh, it just lined up, and he's like, "Well, do you stretch?" I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, "Well, dummy, you got to stretch." Like he he put me on my back and like raised my legs up and they went up like just a little bit. It was comical. He's like, "Yeah, you need to stretch." And so literally, I've been stretching since then, February or March, early March. I have a reminder on my phone: stretch three times a day. Oh. Um, I'm on my back, like stretching my hamstrings, and now like my, I can almost make my leg up like the right angle, the ninety degree. <laughs> Thing. like <laughs> yeah it's bonkers but it, it again it's just one of those things of like you know i i really want to do this i want i want to be uh, uh i want to keep i don't want that back pain again so i'm, I'm gonna keep doing this i would go to the y and just i'd be all charged okay i'm gonna you know i'm gonna run whatever 10 miles or something on the elliptical or i'm gonna work out and i'm gonna i'm gonna spend an hour and a half in there i'm gonna do all these things and i would stretch out early on and it would be, you know, 45 minutes of stretching and be like, damn, I feel better than I would if I'd been here for an hour and a half. I'm going home. Just from stretching. <laughs> done. You know, yeah. that's actually, that's, to have something to look forward to when you're done, too. So I started running in the dead of winter. So I was obviously, like, running at the Y um, on a treadmill, which I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't know. I'm still a novice runner. But I feel it, it, it definitely feels like it's easier to run on a treadmill than it is to run outside. Oh, yeah. It's not as hard on your body. Yeah. And like, so I would run and then I would get done running and I would sit in the sauna for 20 minutes. 
when I was done running. And when it's, you know, whatever degree, you know, negative 30 degrees out, that sauna like warms your bones, man. And that was such a payoff because I would hit this like euphoria place in the sauna (laughs) where I'd get all dizzy and like fucked up. And I'd be like, this is amazing. Like, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. But it feels really good. And that's, you know, that's that runner's high, right? You're coming down from that run and um, you're sitting in a sauna and you're sweating it out. And um, and that was a big, like, that was a big driver to me. Like, I would want, I'd be like, okay, I want to, I want to go and I want to, I want to release this anxiety and I want to sit in the sauna. But I'm, I'm not sitting in that sauna until I hit three miles, you know? And then, like Seth said, the first mile, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a mile and a half today, and then I'm going to call it good. (laughs) And then, like, you hit a mile and a half, and you're like, well, might as well do two. And then you get to two miles, and you're like, shit, I can do a 5K. So then you hit three, (laughs) and then by that time, you can't feel your legs anymore. So you're just going, you know? And then when you're done, you're done. And and so to have that something to look forward to, that way to kind of come down, um, which also in my life, we have three kids and, and our life is crazy busy. So it was cherished alone time too. You know, it wasn't just like, it was like, okay, I can go be alone. I can think about the day, which I never really did. I can't actually remember anything I ever think about when I run, but, um, but it was just that time to kind of recenter myself too. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just going to say that feeling you felt in the in the uh, sauna there that might have been cardiac arrhythmia, buddy. Just saying, <laughs> it could have been. Yeah, I should probably look into it. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, you know, fuck, that's pretty much you know what I was going through. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I felt like that all the time, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> no, actually, no. Just because it's fun and it's it's our podcast, I can talk about it some more. So what it what I experienced was. Uh, not chest pain and not like shortness of breath or anything like that. I didn't have any of those symptoms. What I had was a lightheadedness and and what I described as a wobble in my chest. And so, uh, whatever it was last Tuesday or last Monday. Yeah. Last Monday, no, last Tuesday, I, I had this lightheadedness and I was like, that moment where you're like, I am about to pass out. And I'm like, yep, I'm a fat guy. If I'm going to have a stroke, I'm going to have it in the ER. So let's just drive ourselves to the hospital. Because, again, that's fucking stupid. You know, you're dizzy and <laughs> lightheaded. So just get in the car and drive around a lot of people. Um, and so yeah, that's what yeah. I did. And um, so, the you know, it was then what they discovered when my heart was on the monitor that I was uh, – the wobble in my chest was uh, ventricular tachycardia or VTAC. So if you watch like ER shows and shit like that, VTAC is the thing that happens to people right before they go silent and all the doctors have to do a lot of shit. But the mm. pro- for me it was I was in VTAC and my chest was wobbling, but I was abs- like I could have went home and just kind of waited for it to stop. But, yeah. you know, they're like, no. You have to sit here and not die. That's your primary job right now. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a job a guy could have because I don't want that job. I don't I'd like to not have that particular job. So, yeah. But then, you know, through the time, it was just sort of we discovered that it was just electrical. But, you know, so. Wow. Yeah. Back to the 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 inspiration thing. So. um, So for me, the deal is. Um, I think somebody brought it up, you know, sort of when the, when the inspiration comes, you have to take it. And I had, uh, I had a freshman writing instructor, um, Carolyn Seavers, I think that was her name. Um, she gave me the, the quote, uh, the spirit takes to itself a body from a German philosopher whose name I don't remember, but it was about how, when, as, as a writer, when the inspiration comes, you're not really in charge of that. That's sort of, that's your gift from the universe and you have to take that. And so that's always been sort of the building block of how I see inspiration, that it, that it's something outside of myself. And I think that that might be partially wrong now that I have to, 
see it as something internal. Like I have to, I have to chase the internal part of it. Yeah. And I think, I think too, when you, so like there's, and you, you talk about being selfish and I think you absolutely have to be selfish because, um, we can get really caught up in doing things for other people or not doing things for different reasons or, or working a lot or whatever the case is. And I felt guilty about it. Like when my wife was like, that's really awesome that you're going to start running or, you know, whatever. I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be gone. You're like, you're going to be home with the kids by yourself for an hour and a half. And she's like, we'll be fine. And I was like, but that's not fair. Right. I was like, that's not, that's not fair to you. And she was like, it is like, I would rather have you go and do these things and, and, and be in a good state of mind and good health than, than just sit here, you know? Um, and there is a certain level of that where you're just, sometimes you have to tell people to fuck off and be like, no, like I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to do it for me. You know, um, it was, uh, I was listening to a podcast once with the singer of bad religion and he was talking about why he's a vegetarian. Right. And I remember, yeah. And like, he had just said, he was like, because I want to be. And like, it's just that simple, that simple thing, right? That simple sentence was all it took for me to be like, yeah, like exactly because I want to be. And like, if you don't like it, fuck off, you know, like that's kind of the attitude that I've adopted when it comes to like, I'm doing this for me. And like, of course, I would never tell my beautiful wife that, like, I would, you know, but like other people who are like, why are you running? Like, mm -hmm. Why, why wouldn't I? Why would I not? You know? And they're like, oh, well, you've just never run. I'm like, well, now I run. And they'd be like, oh, okay. You know, or, or why do you have that job? Or why did you take, why'd you do this thing? And all of those things result in because I want to, like, because that's what I want to do. And that matters more than what you might want me to do. Fuck. <laughs> I'll say too that um, the 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 ideas that come that 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 inspiration that comes. Uh, I I read about that a lot from uh, uh, from Stephen Pressfield, uh, Turning Pro. Uh, he's a writer, and one of the big things there was. Um, in the sense of, of writing that, you know, you have to sit down every day and, and, and do it. And then the muse will show up. The universe will show up. The inspiration will come. You're just the conduit. And thinking along the lines of all this is just the, to be receptive of those ideas. Uh, even if it's just writing down those ideas that come to us, um, the, these little morsels of wisdom, nuggets of, 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 of something, um, that, the universe that the muse might be trying to lodge into our heads. And, and if we're open to that and to write that, even like I said, even to just write it down, uh, is huge. And, and, and to get in a habit of, of even that, of being receptive of, of, of being open, of having our eyes and ears open to, you know, yeah, it sucks getting caught behind someone, you know, driving and they're slow and, uh, or stuck at an intersection. This is the worst. Uh, but like, Wait, no, this this might be happening for a reason. And almost like looking at like uh, maybe th this over here happened or this over here or this happened in a way that I got to talk to that person or whatever. And and to just see more of that in our lives, I I, I think can be inspiring. Absolutely. And like the idea of like just writing them down, he he's dead on with that because mm -hmm. like I carry my journal everywhere with me now because like I will think of this theme or this chord progression or these lyrics to this song that I'm writing and I'll be like, holy shit, I just wrote the best fucking song ever in my head. It's going to be huge. And then like uh, the next day I'll be like, oh yeah, I got to record that. And I'll sit down and I won't remember any of it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and it's, I mean, it's less than 24 hours and it's gone. So like, like the, it just writing it down is action. And like one of those, when he was saying that, like when these thoughts come to us, one of the things that I always keep in my mind too is, is this quote that says what holds our attention demands action. So like those things that come into our attention and they're gripping us for just a moment, like they demand some sort of action and that action at the very least should be writing it down. So you don't forget it later. 
Yeah, I think I think that's fun because um, so I've, I'm 47 and I've kept a journal since the last day of sixth grade. <laughs> and I beautiful and I've written in it for 30 minutes a day every day except for two entire two complete years where uh my my depression was um in one case to the point where I was going to therapy 3 days a week and like literally concerned for my own survival and the other one was just after Jackie left me and I was like well fuck this I'm not I'm going to lay on the couch for a year and uh <laughs> But, you know, it's it's that thing where, you know, like my writing mentors have always been like, just fucking start writing, you know, just go ahead. It's not it. I'm not uh, I'm I think her name is uh, the book is called Writing Down the Bones. And uh, and it's about how shit, not a lot of writing has to be your writing doesn't always have to be good, but you always have to be writing, you know, how Vonnegut would write. 5,000 words before breakfast and then he would just throw them away just literally throw them away so that we don't view them as these precious sorts of things and I think like I I know Eric's going to wrap up with a question and stuff but I just I just personally uh, I, I want to say thank you to you guys for doing this for me tonight because this this was a pretty selfish podcast on, on my part and it was and it's you know, it's it's just uh, fuck. I'm gonna cry. Um, but it's, did you get what you want out of it? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm crying. I so obviously, you got something. Okay, good. You know, but uh, yeah, it's just thank you for taking the time. So, so Eric, Eric, take us home. I was just gonna. I've been wanting to ask since Ben earlier was talking about music, and I came in late, and I know that we were all talking about what has inspired us to. I don't know, be who we are. And I know that music is a big part of who we all are. So if we just want to go around and talk about how music inspires you to be positive, to be self-indulgent, whatever it is. Yeah, sure. Um, well, so like, I can't, first off, I can, I could never imagine a life without music. Like, I've had records change my life, you know, as I'm sure you guys have. Like, I've listened to a single record and it's changed the way I, the way my brain literally functions, you know. So, um, but I think me, like music for me is it, 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 it keeps me pissed off. It keeps me hungry in some senses. So, you know, if I'm fucking mad, I'll go listen to Joe Strummer or you know, uh, Connor O'Burst or, or somebody else who's mad. But at the same time, like it gives me hope. Um, I actually just watched a Brian Fallon interview and he, he said that he's like, I like to believe that there's hope in the world, you know? And like when I listen to his records, that's what I feel like. Like Brian Fallon gives me hope. Um, so, and it's, it's just one of those things where like, if I can't, my, so we have an iPad, I have a record player, bunch of vinyl. I've got an iPad hooked up to that sound system. And if I can't, if I can't sit down in my kitchen and and play those records and like just and drink coffee and you know those things, I start to get fucking mad. You know, like if my kids hijack the iPad or they're watching TV, you know, cartoons or something. Like just this last weekend, I told my four year old, he's like, Dad, I don't I don't want to listen to Bob Dylan. I want to <laughs> watch PJ Masks. And I was like, I haven't listened to music in three days. And I'm about to explode. And I think that really sums it up for me. Like, if I don't listen to music, it doesn't, it, like, it, it affects my psych. If I don't play it, if I don't write, but, but that goes just with my poetry, with my writing, you know, with, with playing, playing my own music, that, that's all in one. If I don't do those handful of things, like, I, I start to kind of be a dick. So how about you? Yeah, I got to say, I mean, because from early on, I, I grew up in, in a musical uh, household. Both my parents played in bands uh, growing up, like country, local country rock bands, rock and roll bands and stuff. And so it was absolutely integral. Learned how to play a little bit. I picked up the guitar, but I sucked. So I picked up my mom's bass. 
and got to play in some bands and and you know that I did that for a while and, and then I wrote about music for you know 15 whatever years on the internet and stuff and 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 now to this day I work in music and and I think it's everything it it it's it it's it sounds so damn cheesy, but like you know, it's it's not not just a job; it's a lifestyle. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah but like it's <laughs> everything to me. Like it, it it's how I came into this world practically, you know, with, with music all around me all the time, records all the time, music all the time, and and so, and, and I gotta say too, I mean, like I've had some dark times in the past couple of years, and I, I'm gonna throw out Andrew WK. Uh, ah, part, ah, par- party hard. <laughs> party hard is such a great record. I, I kid you not. I will. I will listen to that. Just that song on repeat. Like when I'm in a funk, I will listen to that on loop over and over and over again. And and it 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 takes me to places. Like yeah. it, it, Seth, it's, I guarantee you, every one of us are going to go to yeah some music service so, and listen to I, it after yeah. this. And I'm not even kid- I'm not even kidding. It's funny you bring that up because I have an Andrew WK song like that, and it's yeah. "She Is Beautiful." A great song, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yep. that one, I'm just like, this is the best fucking song ever. Yeah. Whenever I hear it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know I'll 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 if I'm uh, you know on the treadmill at the gym, uh, I'll put that on to get me started. At such a at, at a high moment there to to some of the low low points in the past few years like it that that music has absolutely moved me and so yeah I, I could not I could not fathom being without music as part of my life so do you know does music ever inspire you I don't know yeah it it does I you know but um I just so Sarcasm. I yeah Sorry. I found. I just want to talk about Andrew WK because I can talk about old yeah. friends a little bit. Um, so I found Andrew WK because of a Wisconsin band named Sunspot just started talking to me one night after the show about Andrew WK. And I'm like, seriously, the the dirty party hard guy? And they're like, yeah, that guy. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't want to listen to some Hesher, you know, bore me with this shit. And uh, yeah, as soon as I listen to the album i'm like oh yeah okay this is it i got it here we go you know and it's you know it it, yeah whatever whatever andrew wk's deal is that that guy always does it for me and so it works for him yeah yeah whatever like he really like his thing is is impressive so he's exhausting but you know like Hearing, you know, Wendy and Mike and Ben talk about Andrew WK, I was like, I, I'm not doing that. And then, you know, once you sort of secretly go, okay, I'll listen to it just because she's pretty and I want to, I want her to like me. So, and then you go like, oh yeah, you're right. This is awesome. But um, as far as how like music inspires me, it's, it's different for me than I, because it, music has been a business for, for me for, for it was for a long time. And it was, uh, and it was, it's a shitty business and there's no sort of way around it. And like, you know, the amount of fucking shitty punk shows and assholes whose couches I've slept on at some point that gets to be exhausting. And, uh, and there was a long stretch of time where, like when I was when I was running a music club in Wisconsin, I was literally I think booking some bands to irritate the people, and like not in a good way, but I was like aggressively going, "Yeah, you think you like this, but you're not gonna like this." And I have the I have the ball and the control of the book, and fuck off, you're gonna come anyway. And uh, yeah, and then it and was, they did, and they did, and uh, and I just there were times where I was like, I. I hate this and you should hate it too. And, and I'd book it and they'd be like, Nope, this is awesome. And I'd be like, fuck you people. You know, because this is awesome because you said it was awesome. Right. Yeah. So right. We liked it. Exactly. So, so there, it's always this thing where, um, like I have essentially a summer and fall of my friend, Jesse Dayton's coming is, is on tour now. And, uh, Butch Walker's on tour again. 
and so I've got, I'm seeing multiple dates of all those shows and seeing my friends and uh, then I get to see Nine Inch Nails at a very small venue in Chicago and what yeah so I'm and excited. that'll do yeah that'll do wonders for you right like honestly because yeah. like that's the big like we we have the same thing coming up there's so much good fall runs coming through that right. I you know like I couldn't go to all of them because I'll go fucking broke right you know exactly yeah and that's a hell of a good record too it's not like Nine Inch Nails trying to you know, rekindle the magic that they once were. Right. I mean, that last album is pretty awesome. Yeah. So what about uh, I'm you? Seeing the... oh. Go ahead. So, uh, what about me? Yeah. Yeah, somebody said it earlier. I mean, music changed my life. I, you know, in the early 80s, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade or something and discovered hip hop and it just changed my entire direction in music. And I, I use it to get through so many things so many personal troubles, whatever they are, whether it's upbeat music, whether it's, you know, something that I'm some throwback to some time of arrested development and trying to rekindle the magic of when I was young. I mean, this, it's sort of like a therapist to me. I was driving with Olivia today. It was interesting. We were coming back from soccer and we were listening to some, crap pop music on the radio and she would talk about how this song or that song was some friend of hers how did she say it this is her calming song or her not calming song and it was just it was interesting to me we've had those conversations before or sad song so these kids and she's in second grade or when she was in second grade this last year she would talk about how her friends would have calming songs like they would get too wound up or they would get you know upset about something and they would just need to relax they would have these certain songs on the radio that would calm them down or they would have songs that would wind them up or a lot of them would have songs that would make them sad and it's just it was a fascinating conversation because when olivia earlier this year was telling me what her what her sad song was it was something by simon and garfunkel I have no idea where she heard it. Mm. I don't know whether it was, you know, Bridge Over Troubled Water or The Sound of Silence or something. But it was that song that she liked to hear when she was sad. And she's eight. That's a pretty deep thing when you're eight, when you're any person, that you have a song that, you know, you just like to hear when you're overcome with emotion. And it just makes you happy. You know, or it's able to take you out of that funk just a little bit. So, or they make you sad, and you just keep fucking listening to them. I do that all could the time. Be. Yeah, I've got a lot of those songs. A lot of but Ryan I, you Adams. know, being like I said earlier, you know, being being bipolar and being depressed, I look at music differently. So the songs that would make other people depressed, like Gina hates a lot of the music that I listen to. She calls it her the slit her wrists music. But it makes me happy. Yeah. I know Dino doesn't like The Cure, but The Cure makes me happy. Oh, I love The Cure. It's you a know, I, always, I always make that joke. Like, the happiest I am is when I have a flannel on in October oh. and, with a cup of coffee in my hand, listening to the saddest songs you could imagine. <laughs> and, like, but it's true. Like, you know, like, it's, I'm a sucker for that. So. Like when Olivia was talking about the songs that would make her calm or her friends calm, I was thinking, okay, what would be my calming song if she asks me? And the first thing I thought of was Nine Inch Nails put out a remix album called Fixed. Sure. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, it was some of the most aggressive music in the history of industrial. But it calms me down. It's really weird. She wouldn't understand it, but... I was going to pop it on Spotify and say, okay, this is my calming song. <laughs> <laughs> she, would have been, she would have been blown away. But, yeah, so I, it's a huge, huge part of my life. Well, boys, I just want to say thank you for, again, thanks for doing this. I've, I've got my shit together now. I'm done crying. Um, and so thank you so much for doing this. Obviously, Absolutely. we're going to have to, the next time we have a running podcast, because we have... <laughs> We have them. This is a thing we do. We have runners on the fucking podcast. Now we know Ben's out there. 
So we'll get the people that run the podcast don't actually right. Run. No, uh uh-uh. oh. so, no. <laughs> but we're but I'm fascinated by runners, and so yeah. So Seth, do you have a five k coming up that the the six people who listen can uh, can donate some money to? No, I no, I don't. I I'm saving everything for the fall. Okay. Uh, save yeah for October November. Okay. Uh, I'm 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 just making the summer the summer of uh of training I guess. Okay. So, but I'll I'll figure something out for this fall for sure. All right. We'll have you back on before that, and we yeah. can promote the hell out of it to those six people. Right. That's... Exactly. Maybe maybe yeah. uh, Eric's father and they'll all donate some money. So. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, yep. Have a good one. Do my head toss, check my nails, baby. How you feeling? Head toss, check my nails, baby. How you feeling? Ooh, child, tired of the bullshit. Gone, dust your shoulders off. Keep it moving, yes, Lord. Trying to get some new shit in there. Swimwear, going to the pool sheet. Come now, come dry your eyes. You know you a star, you can touch the sky. I know that it's hard, but you have to try. If you need advice, let me simplify If he don't love you anymore Just walk your fine ass out the door I do my head talk, check my nails Baby, how you feeling? Head talk, check my nails Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good Baby, how you feeling? Change your life, you can have it all, no sacrifice I know we did you wrong, we can make it right